everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soaring to New Heights, the podcast from Boston College's Office of Global Education, where we explore global experiences from staff, students, faculty, and alumni from Boston College. And I'm really excited to be here today with a conversation with Esther, who studied abroad in Milan, um, a place that I've never personally been, but only heard great things. And so I'm really interested in hearing about your experience. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Esther? Yeah, um, I'm a third year right now. I'm a sociology major and a marketing minor. And I'm from Southern California. Um, yeah, basically. Yeah, and so you studied abroad in Milan. Yeah. Can you kind of talk to us about the process of you going? You know, what what was the, the application process like? I mean, you studied abroad in a time where um, you, know, you went to Italy right after the big, like, conversation around COVID, right? right? And so your process starting to go abroad might have been a little different than the traditional process. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, um, honestly, I was kind of um, second-guessing um, my decision to go because, obviously, because of COVID, um, I didn't really know the situation over in Europe, too. Um, I heard that it was maybe a little bit worse because of mm. the vaccine and things like that. So my main concern was that if I went, then I would be sent back home because of that and or be stuck there. So that was one of my big issues that I was considering. But I was like, um, since it's third, my third year, might as well just take the risk. Maybe um, mm -hmm. it's OK if things happen, not like if it doesn't go like as planned. Yeah. Like I, I want to take advantage of the situation or like this um, opportunity that I have. Mm -hmm. So then I was thinking of different um, countries that I wanted to go to. But honestly, there was a lot of options out there. Um, I didn't know where to start. Um, there weren't wasn't like a country that I really wanted to go to. Like some people have their dream country of like I really wanted to go to Spain and things like that. But yeah. I didn't really have one in particular. So I think the way that I was trying to find the program that I maybe wanted in my my like my opportunities was that um, something to do with my career. Mm. Yeah, and. Um, I'm, I wasn't too sure back then, but I was in the marketing field and I realized that maybe I want to take, do some, like take some classes that I wasn't able to take in BC yeah. for like fashion market, marketing and things like that. So I think the one of the only schools that offered that was the one in Milan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because Milan is like the city of like new fashion. It definitely was. Um, so I think that was a really good opportunity and, um, it made me help, help me make my mind yeah yeah there are a lot <laughs> now now how, how i mean they're like you said i mean uh, there are students that come into the office and they're immediately like i want to go to this place or i want to go to that place but when there are so many oppor like opportunities and right. so many programs what helped you narrow it down i mean you, you said your career mm -hmm. but how did you know that that would be an option that that would be beneficial towards your future career goals right um so yeah like i mentioned that um, the school that I, the program that I was applying for, they had a lot of courses that were like, like specialized in the fashion market mm. or like media. And I thought that was good because, um, I had some countries that I didn't want to go to. Mm -hmm. And that was, one was, um, no hate, but like France, mm. I, I went been before and I thought maybe it's not the right match for my personality mm -hmm. or like 
the things that I like to eat or like things I want to try yeah. um, to see. And Italy was something that I've really had in the back of my mind too. But I wasn't very informed of it, of it, of it either. Mm. But um, I really wanted to go to New Zealand, Australia. Yeah. But it was definitely closed off yeah. um, because they were not letting people in. So then that was something I think, yeah, that narrowed it down. Since like Italy, France, and like London or Spain are like the top three mm-hmm. um, like programs of countries that people most want to go to. So then I think... Italy was just, it just, my impression of Italy, my initial, like, when I talked to people about my my countries and my decisions, I think it was, it just helped make it into my top three choices. I think you mentioned something really interesting, that in particular, Australia and New Zealand were not options for students to study abroad, Mm -hmm. because in that cycle, that they they weren't accepting new students, the country was not accepting new students. Um, and I meet a lot of students who, to the point that you just made, are often very set <laughs> on, you know, wanting to go to a very specific location. Um, and it sounds like your top choice was not an option. How did you feel once you figured out that you weren't able to go to your, you know, your top choice versus coming back from the choice um, that you eventually selected? Mm-hmm. Um I think I tend to be able to move on pretty fast mm-hmm. of like re- re- maybe my regrets or because in the end, I'm still going to Europe. In the end, I know I could travel. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, what's the best place where I can like travel to other countries nearby, mm-hmm. but also be able to like enjoy the country within like the country that I was in. And I think that um, I definitely don't regret going to Italy. Um, I think maybe I could have said that for every other country there was because I do like to travel. I do like to enjoy new things. Yeah. And I think um, I just made a lucky decision, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. But um, I think I tend to not like dwell too much on regrets and like um, try to make the best of what I have so far. And this is such a good privilege that I didn't want to be like, oh, bummer. Like, I didn't get that. Ugh, I, I should have and things like that. And I just I think that was a good learning experience for me too. And also something I could like think of when I go to uh, Europe too. Yeah. And I, and that, what that makes me think of is just kind of, it can be hard to think that you're going to be able to have new experiences no matter where you are, because I, I've never been to Australia, New Zealand. There, It's, it's a place that I want to go, but I, I know that if I am somewhere else, there's so much more <laughs> that I can experience there that I guess, I don't know, that I might not have even thought about mm. until I get there. And, and kind of going off that point, what are some of the things that once you got to Italy, you were like, oh, I, I, this is kind of new, right? Or this yeah. feels kind of different. Or or um, I, I would not have thought about this until I lived here. Mm. Um, do you mean like positive or negative things? Or Either or. Either. It's your experience. Um, I think I didn't realize how much food was important in Italy. Mm. The culture is very big around food. Um, everywhere you go, like whoever you spend time with, is always there's always food on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that really helped me think about like how much food was so correlated with like meeting people mm. and like having that sharing moment with others that um, I think it really was a good surprise because I was introduced to a lot of different um, types of food that I wouldn't be normally be 
and now I try to actively try to seek that. Mm, really? Year too, like like what? What are, what are some of those foods? Yeah, like, you know, like charcuterie boards are like, mm-hmm. it is very popular here, but it wasn't something that I considered like eating on the regular basis or like something I wanted to look towards. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a very, uh, like a suburban, like a, something that other t- types of people mm-hmm. would enjoy, but there it's like you eat that every day with mm. the meal or like in a certain time of day, which is like, um, uh, between like night time and dinner or between lunch and dinner. And I think, um, after that, I came here looking for the same products, but obviously they're not the same quality or even the mm. same price. But, um, just even thinking back on how I ate so much of those, that kind of food, um, I think, um, yeah, um, it's still something I want to keep part of me. Yeah. I, I feel like I heard you mention something interesting. Wait. You, and, and maybe it's not exactly what you meant, but you said that you were interested in marketing. Mm-hmm. Did that change? Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of the reasons yeah, why I wanted to go to Italy was the fashion market yeah. marketing. So um, it definitely spurred me into thinking um, and that I should definitely be going into marketing because there were a lot of like interesting courses out there. Mm-hmm. And it helped me see more of what types of jobs and what types of fields are inside that field because I know there's a lot of different options that I can look for and I think um yeah um like the one of the main reasons why I wanted to go to Milan was I wanted to get inspired Mm -hmm. and really uh find more ideas and things that like people have like professionals have already put out there that I can learn and I think I really was able to touch on that um, but, but to be honest, I wasn't very uh, focused on the academic part for mm-hmm. the most of the most of the study abroad, which I think I can speak for my other peers as well. Mm. But um, I still want to take that take the academic um, opportunity from that from study abroad. So then I think um, I just try to like learn more about the ideas and like the kind of things that can spur my creativity in like the, the field that I'm looking for. And I think you mentioned something interesting that makes me think about study abroad in general. It, it, it is inherently an academic process, right? You are going to take classes to, to learn. But I think you mentioned, you know, kind of living in Milan in general and how just being there was a learning experience. So it's not, it wasn't just the classes, which I mean, the classes are, are, are great. And sometimes there are classes that you can't take here that you can take in a different country. Um, but, you know, you mentioned just how Milan as a city <laughs> was an entirely new learning experience mm-hmm. for you um, on top of the of the classes that, that you were taking. Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel like you learned a lot, whether about yourself or about the, or about um, the culture or about B.C. just from being in Milan? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the bigger things that um, I was able, I was kind of struggling with was mm-hmm. that. Um, obviously the, the social interactions that you have and, and the like, t- type of space that you are creates who you think you are, like in social identity, that kind of thing. But, uh, since I was in, like a t- totally different space, I was obviously not with my parents, even if I'm not in college, I think I'm still, um, like influenced by my parents yeah. and their expectations of me. But since my friends were not even there. Like, nobody knew who I was. Mm-hmm. So then I can just create who I was. Mm. And I think that's also a very, like, free, like, a refreshing, but also kind of dangerous kind of, mm. um, uh, like, experience because uh, 
at, at that point you have to kind of establish what your boundaries are and like start, like trying out new things but yeah. or also like um how much of me would i would i be revealing to the people around me mm-hmm. yeah and i think um i was still very uh on set of like knowing who i was and what kind of traits that i had that made me yeah. but i think um picking up from other interactions that i've had i learned more about how um maybe like more adaptable adaptable that i thought than i thought i was yeah and um i think it was interesting because there i've made a lot of friends that i would no- normally not be able to meet in bc too and i think that helped me un- like expand what my previous conceived notions of certain people are mm. and i think that really helped me widen my understanding of like what people are going through in different kinds of countries yeah. or even different states in the US. Yeah. And I think I I resonate with that point a lot. Mm-hmm. Um I always tell people the moment that I count as like my coming out moment mm-hmm. uh, was when I was studying abroad mm-hmm. in Spain. It's when I told you know my mom that I'm gay and I don't know if I would have done that mm-hmm. if I weren't an ocean away <laughs> from the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and and part of that I think is exactly what you were just saying that there's this uh, you're around you're developing a sense of self that's so um, far removed <laughs> from the general uh, you know society that you're 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 typically in or the constructs that you're typically in mm-hmm. that it can be freeing but also kind of like scary right. <laughs> um, you know where you're like Oh, I'm doing these, you know, new, new things, and I'm, I'm I'm figuring myself out. But like that, it's like a process right. um, to kind of go through that. And you 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 mentioned a bit about like preconceived notions. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit more just about um, what that's like to kind of have those realizations of you know maybe I should think a little differently or oh I never thought about that. What, what's that? What's that process feel like? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think I realized that. Um, I don't know if I can speak for most people, but mm-hmm. we all have this mentality of like main character mentality where mm-hmm. we only think about how we think. Like we don't only think about oh how others. I if I think empathy comes to a certain point mm-hmm. where you're like you only understand because you know what you can understand. Mm-hmm. So then when you realize that people have different stories that they don't really talk about or like different sides of things that like we don't really don't aren't able to see both sides obviously completely because we won't be able to experience that because that's just who we are but yeah. i think learn like, listening to other stories listening to other people like talk about the issues back at home where like cultural norms are a little different it could be a more like um like freeing or like very more strict in different types of countries and mm-hmm. i think um just seeing how people's upbringing and seeing how people's expectations on them changed and formed who they are right now, I think that realized that I can't assume, I shouldn't assume even mm-hmm. in the first place of how this person is because I think that's that's the type of person like I've, I've experienced before, so I feel like that person goes into that category, but definitely that shouldn't be perceived as that. When yeah. I approach people, yeah, and and I totally get that, and and I think I think your I I think your point about empathy was really was really strong about like the, the fact that you know I think that empathy is always a goal that we strive to achieve, but th- th- there are limits, right? And right. and and learning to move past those limits is is a continual process mm-hmm. or continuous process. Um, can you talk a little bit more just kind of about your experience um, in 
in Italy and, and, and maybe what were some of the challenges or some of the things that you recognized um, that you kind of had to um, wrap your head around being there? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think I'm not going to, I'm not trying to like put fault on the program, mm-hmm. but I think compared to my, like my other friends who are also abroad experience, yeah. I felt very detached and like not supported enough, like mm. from the program. Um, I don't know if it's like, because I didn't reach out enough for help or mm-hmm. like I was I usually just try to solve things on my own um, mm. that in terms of like for instance like my friend who went to Spain like uh, right when she was there like they guided her to the things that she needs to do how to mm-hmm. settle in um, like how to get to school what they should do like how like like there's a thing called like m- kind of like the metro card yeah so then I, I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. And then, but I went through the orientation process, but um, it didn't seem like, I, I, it seemed like I just had to, had to do it on my own and yeah. figure it out on the way. So I think that was the biggest challenge of me being a little frustrated about that point where I didn't want to compare my experience with my other friends, but it did seem like they were having a lot more um, supported and also mm-hmm. like more freeing time than me. Yeah. yeah. I think that you, you bring up a really good point about, um, how there are different types of programs. And I, I remember thinking this too. Um, I studied abroad in Spain as well. And a program that is similar to some of the programs we have here, um, in Spain, where when I was a student, like we had like BC faculty, uh, not BC, BG. I went to a school in Ohio called Bowling Green. Um, and uh, we had BG faculty that like were in Spain. They picked us up in the airport. They taught, I ta- they taught our classes. Um, and it was very similar to some of the programs in Spain that we have here at BC because of the way that um, it's structured. But um, my partner at the time studied abroad in France and it was an exchange program, and so there was a program where we received students from their school and they received students from ours, and it was very similar to how you described, in that it was just another university. It was almost as if, like, you are, you know, when you first moved to B.C., right? Um, yeah, like, when you, you know, when you first start at B.C., there's not, like, all, you know, an airport pickup to get right. from um, the airport to, to the, the campus, Um but there is, like, you know, an admissions office that helps right. students in, in that process. Um, yeah, they're not physically there. Yes. Yeah. But, and, and, I, but I, and I think you bring up a good point because I think sometimes when students are looking at the different types of programs, the external programs versus the BCN programs and things like that, um, that's something that might not cross their mind that's really good to think about. Right. right? right. What will the who – who is the support system for the mm-hmm. students – what does that look like over the course of the semester, the entire semester? And how much am I going to need to push myself right. um, over the semester to handle things like, you know, if I get sick, where do I go? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think you bring up a really good point that that um, that students can ask when they're when they're going through the process and when they're coming into the office meeting with the program managers. Because I think just like you said, sometimes students come in and they're like, I really want to go to London. And they look at the programs in London, um, but that's a really good point you bring up, right? Because it, the question can be, oh, but in the program in London, mm-hmm. are they going to have the same type of setup right. as the programs in Spain yeah. versus the programs in Australia? Right. Um, and and, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm really happy you mentioned that because it's a, it's a 
it's a um, I don't think it's a critique of the of the program. Yeah. I, I actually think it's a it's something that you just don't know until right, right. until you're there. They don't tell you much. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a it's a um it, it's it's a really it's a really good question to think about before you go. Yeah. Um, because I think that the the advisors in the office can kind of have that type of conversation, and it might influence your decision. Right. Some right. students may say, mm, I might feel more comfortable uh, in a program. Uh, where I, where we know we've got that that on the ground support specifically from BC, mm-hmm. and some pro, some students you know may hear your experience and say, okay, I'm used to that, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm used to that level of autonomy, um, right. and I'll I'll go ahead and and go with that process. Uh-huh. Um, now, did you speak Italian before you went to Italy? Not at all. What was the what was that process like? For yeah, you? Um, I think. At that point, I was using a lot of Google Translate, uh-huh. and I think, okay, now that it reminds me of what my problems were, um, now that you talk about, like, having support and, like, BC support, yeah. Um, especially in the residence hall that I was in, people there didn't really speak English that well, hmm. so the only way that I could solve, like, my facility problems or, mm-hmm. like, oh, where do I go was that... Uh, either Google translated and sent and asked the people on <laughs> site because they did not speak. Yeah, and uh, even the contract that I had yeah. um, that I had to sign before I moved in was in Italian. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> at that time, my Wi-Fi wasn't working, and I had to make it, find my own phone plan, And but I didn't have anything about, anything like that. Mm. So then um, I just had to sign it, and I was kind of worried that what if there's something on there that I don't agree with? Yeah. Yeah, but nobody was there to help me out. Yeah. So then um, I think things like that, like it maybe even subtle things more subtler than that, but um, in that nature, I was kind of desperate to start learning Italian mm-hmm. because one of the classes that are courses that I were taking was Italian, and I definitely relied a lot on that. I think that was a really good ex- mm. experience because yeah. And I'm really curious about how that went, like over yeah. just the course of the semester. How how did your Italian go from day one mm-hmm. to your final day in your program? Right. Um. Before I went to Italy, I took Duolingo uh-huh. and I don't think it helped at all, <laughs> honestly. Um, it just helped me learn a few words in that, then and there. Yeah. But once you start actively listening, I think, um, actively trying to find out, because I honestly, my my survival, like my social survival depended on learning about like what to say to restaurants, like in restaurants or like where to go find the bathroom when I mm-hmm. needed it something like that, I think it really pushed me into really um, appreciating how much, like, classes could help and how much, like, if you try your best that you can take out of each class. And yeah. I think the Italian course that I've helped help, help me learn more about ordering food mm-hmm. more than anything because they have a difficult, like, they have a very complicated process of, like, different mm. types of meals are. So there's, like, a primo. There's, like, a... Like a so there's, like, a pasta. Uh-huh. Um like how to order like um like drinks or like what type of drink that you yeah. want or um yeah like and saying like saying hi being polite to owners because like they're like it's really rude for you not to say either say like buonasera was which is like good good evening or like hi like when you enter a store hmm. so then it, yeah people think deem it very rude if you don't do that so i think like and on top of the language, I think the cultural aspect was something that I really wanted to learn and not mess up on because I know that tourists there have a rep of its own of their own yeah. of being like ignorant. Yeah. So yeah. do you feel like over the time you were there, you kind of shifted from 
that tourist feeling to like, like I actually live here. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to adjust uh, as fast as possible mm. because I didn't want to be one of those people who are embarrassing themselves without even knowing it. Um, but I think listening to other Italian friends as well, or like um, constantly going to the same locations to like eat and stuff like that, would really helped me adjust into that. Um, yeah, like asking for the menu or like asking for the check was more um, natural, I think, by the mm-hmm. end of the semester, which I'm really like, um, I guess, proud of, of yeah. being able to adjust like that. No, and I think you should be because I think that sometimes when you're like in a language class, it doesn't feel real, right? Like it felt, oh, okay, this is the verb that I need to like remem- remember and like these are nouns and adjectives. But when you're taking a language class and you're like, oh, this is how I do stuff, right? Mm-hmm. This is how I order food. This, and, and I think you really made a good point about being polite and not polite because mm-hmm. I think that, like, it's often this, we often have this perception that those things are universal mm-hmm. and they're not. There's a way to be polite in some places right. that you really don't have to, like, do do or not do. When I, um, in, when I lived in Indonesia, it's a very, like, mm, polite society i think even mm-hmm. it would be considered overly polite sometimes in the united states to where mm-hmm. you would even there are even specific words that you would add like you would call someone mm-hmm. to like represent how polite you're being to them mm-hmm. um and like for me that was a struggle because i was like i don't know how to be this nice right. <laughs> um and and so i think that i really enjoy your point about being in the language class and being able to use it because it just feels so different when you have that opportunity right um yeah like i think i was like kind of borderline paranoid that i would be crossing some lines Mm -hmm. because i do have that experience where i have my asian parents um they're not uh very fluent english Mm. so sometimes they make mistakes of saying things that it seems very impolite like in english yeah and at at restaurants but i know their intention is definitely not like that and Mm -hmm. the other person probably knows that that's not their intention as well but i know that it could turn out like misunderstand like mis- like the way they say things could be uh, misunderstood mm-hmm. um but they don't know it so in the same aspect i think that was what i was scared of doing too yeah. i and i i totally get that um as we wrap up i've got two really quick questions for you um the first is just what's one piece of advice you would give to a student who's kind of on the border um, about studying abroad, you know, they're kind of. I, I met a student today who asked, "What's the benefit? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why should I go in the first place?" What would you say? I think that. I mean, uh, my opinion might be very biased since I came back from it, uh-huh. but um, the definitely the cost and benefit of for me was the benefit was so much greater than the cost. I think mm-hmm. because. Um, as a student, but also, you know, like traveling, you can travel. Mm-hmm. But I think living there for several more months and trying to learn and adjust as much as possible is so much of a different experience than just traveling. Mm. Because you don't really get into nitty gritty of like, oh, um, what should I do when I meet these people? Or like, what should I say when I go to these restaurants? You're mm-hmm. just there as a tourist. But I feel like really getting into know the culture of like, even the young adults or even the older people there were something that I would never forget. And I think that it becomes much more precious to you when you come back to it, when you come back to the same country. Because I think I've established Italy as, like, one of my favorite countries so far that I definitely am going back to. Great. Yeah. 
And I think that that's something that you can't really force yourself to like, make, like make that experience when you're just traveling, I think. I completely understand. And I am no more, uh, I, I'm more biased than you are because I work <laughs> in, oh. in study abroad. And uh -huh. so I, I completely right, right. understand uh, what you mean. My, my last question um, is really, if I've got five hours in Milan, what do I have to do? What's the number one thing that I can't miss out on? Oh, gosh. Um, I think Milan is not that big of a city mm. that people assume. But the traveling, it definitely um, is a lot. Um, but I would, five hours, it's not enough, obviously. <laughs> but I think there's a Duomo, which everyone goes to. Mm. Um, that's where like the biggest tourist attraction is. But going inside is really big, too. So I think going to the top of Duomo or getting inside the, the church and then going to um, there's like different types of streets that are really uh, famous. And there's one that's called the Vigli. And that's where like everyone goes to for like there's a rows of bars or like good places to eat. Yeah. It's like a night like the nightlife is very big in Milan. So I think if you're in there during nighttime, it'll definitely be going there would be a really Nice. I'm really happy I get to use this um, this this job to find out all the places around the world that I can visit. Uh, so I've I've always got uh, an excuse to be able to to check out those places. Well, it's really good talking to you today, Esther. Um, I'm I'm really happy to hear about your experience, and hopefully one day I do get to check out these places um, in Milan. But um, I'm excited to see you know where where this takes you and and how study abroad. Um, impacts the, the future that you have both here at BC and beyond. Um, and I want to thank all of our listeners for listening to, to Soaring in New Heights, the podcast here off, out of the Office of Global Education at Boston College. And as always, have a great day. Okay.